thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. Hello, my name is Laura. It is great to be with you today. This is the second in our series of Summer Jams playlist. Um, How good is that song, Love Story by Taylor Swift. It is my jam. I love that song. I was stood here just singing along. It's my karaoke song of choice. And I am absolutely delighted that at the moment, it's back all over TikTok. So I am absolutely thrilled about that. But the reason that I chose that song for today is it kind of speaks a little into what I would love us to think through. This idea of story specifically that you were created for a story, a story of love. But it's really easy to forget that story, to forget that that's what the story that we were created for and maybe let other stories creep in. And so today as we think this through and as we unpack this, I guess the big idea that that I'm wanting us to think through and and talk about is, um, is this. It's that you... Sorry, I I missed my notes a little. You change your story by first knowing the narrative that you were created for. And we're going to come back to that a little later on. But the title of the talk today is uh, How to Change Your Story. You see, as I said, there is this narrative that, that can creep into the story that we were originally created to know. And we, through this series, through the Summer Jams playlist series, we're looking at Psalms specifically. And the Psalm that I want us to look through today is Psalm 78. And this Psalm is incredible. It is all about story. And so we're going to begin by reading from the Psalm. This is Psalm 78 verses 1 to 7. And it says this. Oh, my people, listen to my instructions. Open your ears to what I am saying, for I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past, stories we have heard and known, stories our ancestors handed down to us. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty works. For he issued his laws to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children. So the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born, and they in turn will teach their own children. So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. You see, today I don't just want to talk about your story, but I want to talk about the big, massive story of humanity, that humanity was created for a story and a narrative of love. And in Psalm 78 verses 1 to 7 here, you see that it talks about not just the importance of your story, but the importance of passing that story on. And so the thing today that we want to remember is that you change your story by first knowing the narrative that you were created for. And uh, that in itself could be a great talk. We could finish there. But Psalm 78 actually has 65 other verses to it. Don't worry, I'm not going to read those to you. But all of these verses then unpack what happens when we forget our story. You see, the rest of this psalm is about a nation called Israel. And God had a really special relationship with that nation. He, He chose that nation to be one that he had an intimate relationship of love with. But Israel forgot their story. And so all throughout the rest of this psalm, you read of God's heartache and frustration where his children forget the story that they were created for. You know, uh, as I talk about God's people this morning, as I talk about humanity and, and the Israelites, I mean all of us. And so 
If this morning, if today you are watching this and you have never ever uh, prayed before, you've never considered that God might exist before, that you find yourself even watching this by complete accident, then I am talking to you. Equally, if you are in a relationship with God and you've been to church all your life, this is true for you as well. You see, I believe that you are on this planet, you are here because of the love of a creator. That God wants you to understand that you were created for a story of love. However, this is the narrative that we're created for, but so often the story that we live out is different to that. Because often we buy into a narrative uh, that we're surrounded by. The, the narratives that we are surrounded by often dictate our, our story. They often dictate the way that we behave. And the longer that we spend time uh, surrounded by a different story, we begin to take on those views. We begin to take on those behaviours. And before long, we completely lose track of the story that we were created for. And in the end, we don't look anywhere near the way we were supposed to. The longer we surround ourselves with the wrong story, the more likely we are to live that story out. And as we read the rest of Psalm 78, we see God's heartache over his people as they begin to take on and live out and can't shake off the wrong story that they have in their lives. Um, Psalm 78 itself is actually written about another story. Uh, it's written about the story of the Israelites. And if you go right back in the Bible, the Bible is one book, but it's made up of lots of little books. And the second book in the Bible is the book of Exodus. And this psalm is actually written about the stories that are in the book of Exodus. And some of you may be familiar with these stories. It's the story of Moses and of Pharaoh and the Israelites. And you, you kind of come into the book of Exodus and the, the nation of Israel, God's chosen nation, are in slavery to the Egyptians. And God raises up Moses to go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go, let God's people be free. And Pharaoh is really not too keen on that for a number of reasons. Uh, and eventually they are let free. Uh, but this is the story that, that we're tracking through with Psalm 78. And this story starts when Pharaoh decides that he will have killed every male child of the Israelites. So every new baby that's born that's a boy, Pharaoh says that those children should be killed. Now, obviously for Pharaoh, this is a really good way of controlling the population, but it also does something else. And this isn't something that I realised until recently. You see, the eldest child in a family, the oldest male child, often the firstborn boy, has a specific responsibility in the family. You see, that firstborn child acts as a bridge, a bridge to telling the story of the family. You see, the firstborn son will stand between the parent and stand between the children and bridge that gap of the values. The parents will teach their firstborn child why that family is the way it is, the things that are important to them, the things that matter. It will teach them of their faith and their heritage. And that firstborn son will pass that, those values and almost translate those values into what it looks like for the children. Passing on that story from generation to generation. And so when Pharaoh had all of the male children killed, he wasn't just destroying a nation, he was destroying their story. And so Egypt had been a dynasty for, for a very, very long time before we come into the book, uh, the book of Exodus. But what happens is that God brings Moses into the equation. He raises up Moses almost to act as this firstborn child for the whole of the Israelite nation. And he says to Moses, I want you to remind them of their story. Because he understood that you change your story by first knowing the narrative that you were created for. 
And so Moses goes to Pharaoh and uh, 10 plagues later, uh, the Israelites are released. And we're going to come back to that a little later on. But for God, it wouldn't have really been that difficult to get Israel out of Egypt. He could have clicked his God fingers and have everybody teleported out. But that wasn't the only thing he was trying to do in this story. You see, the story of Egypt was a powerful one. It was a story of empire and power and control. And God wanted to break the story of Egypt and remind the Israelites the story of love and of freedom that they were created for. You see, getting the Israelites out of Egypt wasn't that difficult. Getting Egypt out of the Israelites was much more difficult. And that's what you see play out in Psalm 78. So we're talking about these competitive narratives, the, the story of God, of love and of freedom and the story of Egypt. But I want to just spend a, a moment unpacking what these narratives look like and what they mean and specifically what they mean for us today. And so, as I said, God's story is a story of love and a story of freedom. You know, love says that you are on this planet because of the love of a creator. Love says that power is given to us so that we can protect the weak and we can protect the vulnerable. Love says that what you have is for the sake of others. It's for service, for hospitality and for serving. Love says that you are not created to be driven to produce, produce more, do more, but you are created for rhythms of rest and rhythms of Sabbath. Love says that real power is preferring others to yourself. And love says that you were created to be known intimately by a God who loves you and loves the world around you. And this is the love story, the story of love and freedom that God speaks over his people. But the story of Egypt was very, very different. If you're wanting to find out a little bit more about this, there are some amazing books on it. There's a book called uh, The Passover You Almost Passed Over by Rabbi David Foreman. There's some great podcasts, the Beamer podcast by Marty Solomon. Again, it's excellent. But this story is different. The story of, of Egypt is one of power and empire and control. And this was a story that the Israelites, God's people, were living in, but they were never called to live by. And so, the story of Egypt... The story of empire and of control says that you are inconsequential to the gods, that your existence doesn't matter. It says that you have power in order to protect yourself and secure yourself at the expense of the weak and the vulnerable. Empire says that you must produce, you must keep going, you must compare, you must compete, you must keep up and you must be the best. Empire says that rest and Sabbath are optional extras, luxuries for those of us who can afford them. And empire says that your life is only significant when you have power and when you are in control. And this is the story that we seep in, see seep into the Israelite people. We see this seep into, their, into the, the core of who they are. And we see them wrestle this out in Psalm 78. And God speaks into that narrative. He interrupts the rhythm and he said, you change your story by first knowing the narrative that you were created for. And I wonder, what narrative would you say we live by in our world today? Which of those two narratives sounds most familiar? In a world where it is thought that 40 million people are in modern day slavery, where 736 million people live on less than £1.45 a day, where food banks are in huge demand and where rest and Sabbath are very much seen as optional extras. The world that we live in, 
which does it sound most like? And it may be that today you are listening to this and you think, yeah, you know what, I do, I, I resound, like little bits of that resonate, that hits home. But I wouldn't say I'm consumed by that. Like I try and do the love stuff. I try and follow the kind of love and freedom piece. That's brilliant. But Egypt isn't necessarily somewhere that you have to live. Egypt can be a place that you visit. You see, uh, in the first book of the Bible, the one before Exodus, the book of Genesis, Egypt's mentioned there as well. And what we see throughout the book of Genesis is that there are people who, when famine and destruction come, Egypt is the place that they head. Now, it's obvious why, because in Egypt, there's a Nile, there's, there's, there's fresh water all there. And so it's fertile and there's food. And uh, in the time of famine, it makes sense to go there. It's a place that's comfortable. But God's people, when famine and destruction come, often the first place that they head is Egypt. And the tricky thing about that is that however long they went for, when they went to visit Egypt, they always brought a bit of Egypt back with them. And so I wonder, when famine and destruction come, where do you go? What are the habits, what are the narratives and the stories that you begin to live by in those moments? Maybe when things get tough, you, uh, you drink more. Probably alcohol rather than water. Water's fine. Maybe you eat more. Maybe you shop more. Maybe there's an addiction that's underlying that most of the time you have a handle on that. But when things are tough, that's the place that you turn. Maybe your Egypt is actually anger or resentment or unforgiveness. Maybe it's defensiveness. When things get tough, where do you go? Maybe you turn to work and you just dig your head into your emails and you just work harder because it's easier that way. Maybe it's escapism. And as I was writing this and I was praying, I wonder whether there was somebody watching today who the place where you go when famine and destruction come is actually unhealthy relationships. And it isn't necessarily the same person that you go back to, but it's the same type of person. That when things get tough, there's always, it's a different person, but with the same face that kind of creeps up and, and crops up. And that's where you go. And so I wonder in this season, in this last six months, when things have been tough, where have you gone? What have you turned to? What's your Egypt? But what I would say is that God is in the habit of writing new stories, of writing love stories. Um, I wonder uh, if you carry a lot. Uh, and I, yes, I definitely mean sort of metaphorically, but I also mean physically as well. Um, if you work with me, uh, as some people watching this uh, will do, you will know that I, I go around the office and I carry a lot in my hands. I have, um, well, the aim is to be efficient with my time and my productivity and get as quickly as I can to different places. And so in my hands, I will have my laptop and then I will have my iPad and a notebook and a pen, probably a snack, some lip balm, a cup of tea and my phone. And all of these things on a daily basis, you will see me whizzing around the office with all these things in my hand, perfectly balanced to precision, to be efficient and to do things well. But every so often, the absolute precision of all the things I carry gets knocked. It might be that I trip or someone opens a door or someone jumps out, something happens and all of those things go up in the air. And when your rhythm's interrupted and everything goes up in the air, you actually have an opportunity. Because if you throw everything up in the air, there's something inside of you that tells you what the most important thing to grab hold of is. It's normally my phone. And so you grab at the thing that matters and you let everything else drop to the ground. And I wonder... 
In this last season where everything has gone up in the air, what are the narratives that you will cling to and what are the stories that you will let drop to the ground around you? You see, whatever your Egypt is, this world now where we live, this is the world that we are called to live in, but not the story that we are called to live by. And this is what the Israelites kept getting wrong in Psalm 78. It says this in Psalm 78, verses 35 to 40. They remembered that God was their rock. The God most high was their redeemer. But all they gave him was lip service. They lied to him with their tongues. Their hearts were not loyal to him. They did not keep his covenant. Yet he was merciful and forgave their sins and and did not destroy them all. Many times he held back his anger. He did not unleash his fury. For he remembered that they were merely mortal, gone like a breath of wind that never returns. Oh, how often they rebelled against him in the wilderness and grieved his heart in that dry wasteland. You know, we are called to remember the narrative that we were created for. I'm going to read the beginning of Psalm 78 again. Oh, my people, listen to my instructions. Open your ears to what I am saying, for I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past, stories we have heard and known, stories our ancestors handed down to us. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell them to the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty works. You know, you change your story by first knowing the narrative that you were created for. And so, the Moses and Pharaoh thing happens. Um, God wants to change the narrative of Egypt. He wants to break that narrative of empire and control. And he wants Pharaoh and his nation to live by the story of love and freedom, but Pharaoh won't do it. And he won't release the Israelites to go free. And so these plagues happen. I could talk about the plagues for ages, but I'm not going to. Uh, There are 10 plagues that take place and we get to the 10th plague and something significant happens. You see, this is where the story comes full cycle. Because just as Pharaoh took the boys and, and, and had them killed as babies to, and it broke the story, God said, you have left me no choice but to break the story of Egypt. And so in the 10th plague, God says, I, I will bring an angel of death and, and death will come to the firstborn in every Egyptian household. But he says to his people, there is a way out of this. If you want to live by a new narrative, if you want to learn a new story of love and of freedom, then this is what you need to do. You need to take a lamb and take a goat. You sacrifice them and you put the blood around the doorframe of your home. As an animal lover, I always found that uh, a little tricky. I didn't enjoy that bit of the story. But what I understood now is that that had to happen. You see, the Egyptians worshipped different gods and the animals that represented two of the main gods was a ram and a goat. And so as they sacrificed a lamb and a goat, what the Israelites were doing was saying, I turn away from the gods that have set your story. I reject the gods that have set this narrative of empire and of control. And I will, as they paint the blood around the door frames, they were almost saying, this story stops here. I choose to live by a new story of love and of freedom. I choose a different narrative. And then, thousands and thousands of years later, God sends his firstborn son into the world. He sends Jesus. And Jesus, as the firstborn son, stands between the Father God and his children and acts as a bridge helping us as humanity to understand what it looks like to live out the values of a story of love and of freedom. 
but his firstborn son is killed. His blood is shed so that we can have a choice to step into a different story so that we can draw the line and say the narrative of Egypt, whatever that narrative is for you, stops here. I choose a new story of love and of freedom. And so today, we get to choose. But as I said, the key is knowing the narrative that you were created for. You see, I wonder for some of us whether it's time that we turned away from the story of Egypt, whatever that story looks like for you, the place that you go when famine and destruction comes, the values that we see in the world around us, and we opt into a different story of love and freedom. I think it's time we remembered our story. And so today, I want to to give firstly an opportunity for maybe some people who are watching this that have never heard the story of love and of freedom before that God has for you. And it may well be that you want to step into that relationship for the first time today. It may be that you want to say yes to that story for the first time. And I would love to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus for the first time this morning to choose a new story. And I'm gonna pray. And what I would love you to do is to to say uh, this prayer. It's gonna be very short, but just say the words after me, wherever or whenever you're watching this, just repeat the words that I'm gonna say in your heart. And then I'll tell you what we'll do next. Jesus, I thank you that you died so that we could live a different story. I thank you that you died so that I could have love and freedom. Help me to turn away from the story of Egypt and live out a new story with you. Amen. But if you prayed that prayer for the first time, I would really encourage you to click on a link so that we can pray with you as well. So if you're watching this on the website, uh, there's a little raise a hand button. And if you just uh, click onto that, if you're watching on Facebook or on YouTube, there's a link that's gone onto the chat. If you click on that link, then what will happen is you will go into a chat uh, with some guys on our prayer team. And it's not a video chat. They're not gonna see your face. It's just a text chat. And they would absolutely love to pray for you and and maybe give you some next steps as to what you could do. So if you have just said that prayer for the first time, please do click on that link. But for everybody else watching this who isn't doing that, then I just wonder whether we could wait for a moment. Wait for a moment in the presence of Jesus that He might be able to put His story of love and freedom in our hearts and maybe cut off some of the story of Egypt that we've been carrying. And if you've not done this before, don't worry, I'm gonna talk you through. We're not gonna spend ages doing this, but I believe it's important. And so wherever you're watching this, I wonder whether you could put down anything that you've got in your hand. And I'd like to invite you to close your eyes. Take a moment to clear your mind. and very simply just breathe. And we're just gonna spend a few moments in silence, 
I'm gonna say a short prayer and then we're just gonna wait for 10, 15 seconds to see what Jesus might want to say to us. So please keep your eyes closed and just be still. Jesus, thank you for the love story that you have created us for. And thank you that this is a story that is not just meant to transform us, but is called to transform our world. Would you fill us with that story again and help us to see where other stories may have crept in? Speak to us now. as you sit quietly and you wait the worship band are going to sing over you but keep listening keep praying as you listen to the words of this worship song that talks about how God loves us this is how he loves us 